Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Jack Barton, Johnny. Take this down. Policy number 245-7809. Got that? Yeah, got it. Los Angeles, California. Amount, $1,150,000 straight life. Beneficiary, Mrs. Mabel Trandum. Insurer, her husband, Mr. Howell Trandum. Right, sold down. Now, what's the problem? Uh, officially, there's none. As you know, the company can't take any preventive action. But we certainly aren't very happy to learn that there has been an attempt on Mr. Trandum's life. <laughs> Edmund O'Brien in another transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office Clayson Mutual Assurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Attention, Jack Barton. The following is an accounting, unofficial but very payable, of my expenditures during investigation, also unofficial, of the Harold Trandum matter. Expense account item one, $250.67, transportation incidentals, Hartford to Los Angeles, into the two-acre Bel Air estate of the prominent coupon clipper, Mr. Harold Trandum. I presented my identification to the pert little maid who answered the door, was ushered through a portrait gallery and two living rooms to the terrace. Mr. Trandum was bent over his morning paper, sipping grapefruit juice. He looked up at me with the same scowl I'd seen on the front pages of newspapers. Very early. Why did the servants let you in here? May I sit down? Certainly not. I don't even know you. Yeah, here's my card. Insurance investigation. I suppose you think I can't pay my next premium. Mr. Trandum, we have no doubt as to your credit rating. This is a much more important matter to you. Financial? In a way. Now... Now, what is this important matter? Your life. I understand there's been an attempt on it. That's my own affair. Strictly my own affair. I made adequate provision. If your company is worried about my life, I'm very touched. But I assure Don't you... Don't misunderstand, Mr. Trandum. I'm only interested in your welfare unofficially. The company takes no preventive action of any sort. However, as a friend of Jack Barton, who's head of the Hartford office of Place and Mutual, 
I'm here to, well, to try to see that no further attempts occur. Unofficially or officially, I'm well taken care of. Thank you. Oh, that's that, then. Sorry. Must have been a long trip from Hartford. Yes, yes, it was. I should offer you a drink, I suppose. Well, it's a little early for anything hotter than orange juice for me. My doctor makes me drink this lot. Grapefruit juice. Go ahead. Lila! He slumped over the table and slid to the floor, still holding his chest. An army of servants rushed out and tried to look like they knew something. I was obviously the major suspect, and they vied with each other in their attempts to blame me. But nobody bothered to call one a hospital and two a policeman. Finally, one big guy, obviously a bodyguard, scooted everybody but me off the terrace and sat me down. You said you didn't do it, did you? No, I didn't think so. But if I go back to the boss and tell him Trandum was knocked off right in front of my eyes, I'll get the axe, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, I'm prepared to exchange information with you. Well, that's mighty generous. I'll see you later. No, no, no. Please, wait. Don't go. Well, didn't you see nothing, nothing at all? Nothing I can go back and say, Mr. Halma, I had my eyes open? Well, if it means your job. Yeah, it does. Believe me, it does. I saw a wisp of blue smoke over there, that, that clump of bushes across the lawn. And a man, he ran away. No man, just smoke. The shadow of a man. Just smoke. The gleam of the gun. A thin wisp of blue smoke. This is all? Look, you can make up the rest as you go along. Now, if you'll excuse me, i got a phone call to make. I think the police ought to know about this. sirens arrived, they examined the brush and found a few bent twigs among the straight ones. Nothing to go on. They set about examining all the servants, searching the house, but their efficiency got them nowhere. By the time they left, they had collected no information at all. The only thing they had succeeded in doing was to make Mrs. Mabel Trandum lock herself in her room for a good private cry. It was after the police left that I remembered the last word of Mr. Harold Trandum. Lila. Hating unsolved mysteries as I do, I knocked quietly at Mrs. Transom's bedroom door instead of hopping on the next DC-6 for Hartford. Go away. Please, Mrs. Transom, I'd like to talk to you. I don't want to talk to anybody. Go away. I'd like to talk to you about Lila. Who did you say? I'm Johnny Dollar. I'm with the Hartford. What about Lila? May I come in? Uh, Thanks. Tell me what about Lila. Well, that's... Just what I was about to ask you. You're one of the detectives, aren't you? No, no, I'm an insurance investigator. Oh, sit down. What did you hear about her? The last word your husband said was Lila. Yes, it would be. That's all he talked about. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh, I got a steady diet of her, all right. What did he say about her? Nothing. He just said Lila. I suppose his insurance money won't be paid now that he was murdered. The fact that he was killed won't interfere with the payment, Mrs. Trandon. The way it looks now, you'll get your money with very little trouble. Because that's all he left me, mister. Me and the Jesse Frederick rescue mission. Money. I've got a closet full of coats and so many dresses I run out of hangers and I've got shoes piled to the ceiling. And if I wanted to go out, nobody was nicer than he was about it. He'd see that one of the boys from his office took me wherever I wanted to go. He was real good to me, mister. He picked me up in a cafe where I was working as a waitress. He picked me up and gave me all this. And still, I hated him. Maybe I'd better go. No, 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 don't go. I've got to talk to somebody. Insurance, huh? How much was it? $1,150,000. Oh, 
pretty big tip for just a cup of coffee, wouldn't you say? He didn't have many friends, did he? Nobody, mister. Not a friend in the world. You could comb the city from one end to the other for somebody to say a nice word about him. The closer you lived with him, the more you hated him. It'll be pretty tough, I guess, to find out who did it. It wasn't one person. It was the whole city. The whole world. Everybody got together and said we got to clean the rot out of this territory. And they hired somebody and did it. Take it easy, Mrs. Trandom. Don't call me Mrs. Trandom. Mabel, what? Mabel Harriet McGrandy. You know what I'm going to do? How much did you say it was? One million, one hundred fifty thousand. Into a little apartment, have a couple of cats. I always wanted a couple of cats, but he couldn't stand them. I couldn't have any. Siamese, I'm going to get. Where can I find Lila? I didn't tell the police about her. Why should I tell you? No reason. I'd just like to know. Lila Winnie. She lives at the Village High Hotel. She's very lovely. She's very refined. I suppose maybe she was the only one who liked him. Hey, when you get through there, come back and talk to me some more, will you? Expense account item two, taxi fare to the Village High Hotel in North Hollywood. Four tanned kids dashed in and out of a sprinkler's path. I walked to the last apartment to the right and knocked. I knocked again. I knocked a third time and tried the door. It was locked. I looked in the window. Through the lace curtains, I could see the body of a girl. Her head lolled crazily to one side. And there was a small red dot on her temple. The police investigated. The bullet hole was the quick work of a 38. There were letters in the bureau drawer, letters to Harold Trandon. The sergeant who found them grabbed the nearest chair, propped his feet up on a stool and settle down for a long day's reading. Hey, listen to this. How I die to have you put your arms around me again. Darling, you must know how much I miss you. You must know how much I love you. <laughs> and then she takes it from there. All right, Sergeant. You've had your kicks for the day. Dolly, you seem to be just about everywhere these days. Mabel Trandum gave me her address. Tell you anything? I gather that Lila was the other woman in this mess. Only one left out of the three. I think maybe we'd better pick Mabel up. She didn't have time to do it, Lieutenant. I was with her right up to 20 minutes ago. Would you swear to that in the courtroom? Yeah, I'd have to. In that case, let's look around. Thorough search, Sergeant. Room by room. Great Somebody Lieutenant. hasn't heard. Right. I'll get it. Hello? No, she isn't right now. Who's calling, please? I see. No, I don't think she will. I'll tell her. Yeah, goodbye. Jesse Frederica Mission calling. We wondered if Miss Wenig was going to be down today. She hasn't been down since last week. The boys miss her. Uh, bet they do all right. I understand she was quite a charitable girl, devoted a lot of her time to the down and outers. The Jesse Frederica Mission. Huh. See you later, Lieutenant. Yeah, where are you going? Well, I think I've heard that name somewhere before. I'm going up another blind alley. If I pick up anything, I'll give you a ring. <laughs> Expense account item three, $4.90. Transportation Bel Air to the Jesse Frederica Rescue Mission on Main Street. Now that the mystery was doubled, I thought it wise to follow up every enterprise the two late lovers had in common. The driver let me out in front of a store with the Jesse Frederica Mission, everyone welcome, painted on the window in gold. I walked into the place past little groups of sullen men sipping their coffee from tin cups. There was a room labeled, Wait in Here. An abrupt young man, Natalie dressed, 
motioned me into an inner office and closed the door behind me. I was all alone, except for the smiling old lady at the desk. Your name, please? Johnny Dollar. I'm here on business. Certainly. Certainly. Since you've had a bath. Uh, well, this morning I... Uh, you do look pretty clean. I, I think our young men have a tendency to stay clean much more than, say, 30 years ago. Don't you? Oh, definitely. Uh, but I'm not here for a bath. Oh, sorry, but it's required. A any dependents? Not as yet. Good. Uh, have you tried to get a job of any kind? The United States Employment Service? A private agency? I I've got a job. Oh. Well, then, I I'm sorry. I'm an insurance investigator. Oh, you're a graduate. Well, we've had so many come back and thank us. Uh, how long since you've been here? A long time. Are you Mrs. Frederica? Miss Frederica. Oh, yes. Well, uh, Miss Frederica... Do you know uh, Miss Lila Wainig? Why, certainly. She's on our board of directors. A wonderful girl. Uh-huh. Did Mr. Harold Trandum also serve on your board of directors? Why, yes, he does. Uh, they're very good friends. Yes, I know. I've got bad news, Miss Frederica. They're dead. They were killed. Oh. Oh, that, that's terrible. Uh, an automobile? No. How did it happen? Murder. I'm an insurance investigator. If I, if I could stay here for a while, I might be able to learn something of importance. What about it? Well, I, I, I don't know. We've never done anything like this before. I promise I'll take that bath. Can't you just pretend I'm one of your boys? Oh, uh, well, perhaps I, I could, Mr. Uh, Dollar. Uh, perhaps I could, Mr. Dollar. Uh, you just use all the hot water you want to. I found myself in the midst of a lot of confused men Men made even more helpless by belief in their own failure I hung around the rest of the day listening to their stories Toward evening, I found myself reliving an imaginative experience With a little white-haired, stubble-chinned guy Who had forgotten I was even around U.S. Kedison Started going up in the morning. I watched it. I never took my eyes off that tape. It was climbing like a bird straight to heaven. Well, I'm telling you, I couldn't breathe. I was so excited, and I turned to Thomas Lamont. He was as close to me as you are, you know. I turned and said, looks pretty good, huh, Tom? And he smiled and said, yes, Ben, we're going to be all right. Yeah, yeah. Two more points. Two points more, my friend, and I wouldn't be standing out here, I'll tell you that. Didn't make it, huh? Not worried. I'll do it again someday. Man who's made it once can make it again. Yeah, yeah. Well, say, I know a man. He was much worse off than I. He had less than nothing. He owed the world. And he came back and made the biggest fortune on the whole exchange. Maybe you heard of him. Director of this charity. Killed recently. Harold Trendham. You knew him? Knew him? Well, we were as close as twins. Yeah, yeah. He gave me lots of tips on the market. Nice guy, huh? He was very nice. He was a very nice man. Oh, he was gruff sometimes, but kind, a really good heart. And when he took up with that woman, she was a director here, too. They killed her, too, you know. You knew that, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, well, when they took up together, I knew she'd kill him. She didn't kill him. Well, the other way around, then. No, it, it wasn't that way, either. Well, you know. Yeah. I, I always heard he wasn't very well liked. Oh, he had lots of enemies. Uh, you see that fellow over there? No, no, the one leaning against the wall. Oh, the yeah. one with the brown sweater? Yeah, yeah. He hated him. Oh, that was a real big thing, that hate was. What's his name? 
Sanderson. Bill Sanderson. What happened was, years ago, they was partners, the two of them. Bill Sanderson and Trandum. Yep. Trandum did Sanderson out of his brokerage business and sent him down to Skid Row. I guess Sanderson was only one of many. Oh, sure, he had his enemies, Trandum did. But Sanderson, he was the one who introduced me to Trandum, you know. Sanderson hated him worse than anybody. Hated that woman of his, too. Lila, whatever her name was. Well, that's, that's interesting, Dan. Oh, it's nothing. Why, I got stories that would make your hair curl. I'll tell them to you over a drink sometime, huh? I had noticed Sanderson watching me out of the corner of his eye. He was a big man of indeterminate age, rolling a toothpick around in his mouth. I walked to the cafe down the street, had a bite to eat, and came back to the mission. A crowd was gathered in one corner, talking excitedly. I moved through to the front row and looked down. There was little Ben, lying dead on the floor. I moved back through the crowd and right into Bill Sanderson. Dollar, maybe you better come along with me. The sliver of shining metal in his hand convinced me to come along with him. There didn't seem to be a great deal of choice. He stopped me in front of a door three buildings down, opened it, shoved me in, and closed it again. Inside, it was not quite pitch black. I'm glad to meet you, Dollar. Any friend of Trandum's is a friend of mine. Return to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. The radio audience has the chance to be a part of a quiz show. They can enjoy laughing along with the nation's top comedians, too. But Dr. Christian is the only dramatic show on the air which is actually written by the radio audience. Each Wednesday evening, over many of these same CBS stations, you hear Gene Herschold as kindly, gentle Dr. Christian tell a story which has been sent in by a CBS listener. Here's your chance not only to enjoy a radio show, but be an actual part of that program by writing it yourself. Be listening each Wednesday evening when CBS presents Dr. Christian. And now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. I don't know how many times Sanderson tried to use his knife. Perhaps he was getting too big a kick out of wearing me down to use it at all. Then I was able to maneuver him around with his back against the light from the street. I grabbed his arm and smashed his fist against the wall. The fist with the knife, and when it dropped to the floor, I went about my work with a new zest. You picked on the wrong guy, sir! Come on, get him! Okay, okay, okay. Come take on. it easy, take it easy. Get up, Sanderson, get up. Stand up straight. Hey, come on now. What about it, layoff, huh? I got a lot of questions. About how you killed Harold Trandon and Lila Wainig and, and Ben. They found out, didn't they? Out of my way! He pushed me aside and went out the door, melting into the population of Main Street. For me, the mystery was over and the manhunt had begun. <laughs> Yeah, he played possum and I fell for it. Yeah, we got all the cars on the lookout. Too late to stake out the neighborhood. We'll get him. You can go on home. No, I'll stick around just for laughs. I've 
I've got kind of a personal interest in this case. So I see. <laughs> Didn't do your face much good. I think I'll drop over to the widow's house. Oh, Mrs. Crandom? Yeah, she asked me to drop back to keep her company. With Sanderson on the loose, she may need more company than she thinks. Expense account item six, $4.50. Police headquarters to the Bel Air mansion of the late Mr. Trandon. As the cab pulled away, I noticed a familiar hulk standing on the stoop. It was the big bodyguard, and he ran toward me as if he'd just seen an old friend. Oh, mister, I'm so glad to see you again. You just don't know. Hadn't you better report back to the office? There are liable to be plenty more bodies to guard. I was fired. Oh, no kidding. Uh, he wouldn't even give me a chance to explain. Mr. Halmer, I said mistakes happen. What happened to me could have happened to anybody. I really had my eyes open. I seen a big guy with a thirty-eight revolver over 100 yards away, and he run for cover. I chased him all over the plantation and finally caught him. Look, 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 look here. I even brought him a piece of the suit the guy wore. Recognizing a thirty-eight from over 100 yards away didn't do your story much good. Yeah, uh, you know I thought about that later. Uh-huh. And that guy whose suit I tore is threatening to sue me. <laughs> you made a good try. Yeah. Hey, uh, you don't know where I could maybe get another bodyguard in Jasmine. Have you tried plumbing? A bodyguard is the only job I know. I'm skilled. I'll tell you what. Hang around with me for a while. What's the fee? Oh, no fee. You can use the experience. I'm sorry. I have my price. A man with your pride doesn't need a job. So long. Oh, now, wait. You caught me desperate. Ten a day. I'll put it on the swindle sheet. What was your name? Max. Okay, Max. Get your foot out of that flower bed and come on. My earnest protector and I went up the grand staircase led by a butler, Max keeping a good six paces behind me like an Arabian bride. The butler went through a door, leaving us to wait in the hall. When he came out, he whispered to me to wait. He went downstairs, I opened the door, leaving Max on the outside and walked in. Mrs. Harold Trandom, who preferred to be called Mabel, was fingering the ears of a white cat on her lap. Isn't he beautiful? He's lovely. I want to ask you about a guy I ran into a few hours ago. Do you happen to know uh, Bill Sanderson? Bill Sanderson? No, I don't. Blonde Dark. You know, you aren't the lonely little girl I remember talking to this morning. What makes you so happy? I'm going away. Where? Somewhere. How much did you say that policy was for? A lot of money. Uh, you can mail it to me. You're going alone? All alone. Pretty girl like you alone all this time? Hard to believe. Oh, it'll be different now. You'll see. I've got my next guy all picked out. In my mind, I mean... You'll marry me for my looks and my money, but mostly for my money. Then I can be boss for a change. You wouldn't mind if I took a small look around the room, would you? Keep your hands off things that don't concern you. I know all about search warrants. I'll bet you do. But keeping letters like this on your dressing table isn't playing it too smart. You keep your hands off my personal mail. Signed by Bill Sanderson. You shouldn't leave things like this around. I don't know what you're talking about. Mabel, I should have known that a girl with your looks wouldn't just... Sit around with her crocheting while her husband gallivants about town. You better get packed. Those tickets on the table are for the 6 o'clock plane. It's 4.30 right now. Don't worry, Mr. Dollar. I'll make the plane. You keep everything handy, Mabel. Point that the other way, would you mind? We'll make that plane. Bill has wonderful plans. There's Rio and Argentina and all those South American countries. Nobody's going to stop us now. So you paid Bill the... I paid Bill nothing. He killed Harold because he loved me. And married him in the first place, but he didn't have the money, and that was important to me then. Met him too late. 
I met him after Harold had torn every penny and every bit of self-respect out of him. He's killed a few more since you last saw him. It's been one after the other. I don't suppose you've heard about Lila Wenig and poor little Ben down at the mission. You're a liar. It'll be in this evening's papers. Or better yet, you call the police department. You're going off with a mad dog. He's tasted blood and he doesn't know when to quit. You've got over a million bucks. Take my advice, Mabel. Find yourself another guy. Get out of my way. You're an accomplice to one murder. Don't try for three. Get out of my way! I always bow to firearms. This is the room with the outside lock. Goodbye, Mr. Dollar. Hey, 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 boss, what happened? Where were you? Oh, I was catching a few winks. Tired? I thought I'd die. That's being on the job, Max. You're fired. Why? What do I do? A young lady and a killer are about to embark for South America, and you ask what you did. Here, here's your ten spot. Try the one, Eds. I ran down the stairs, brushed aside the butler, and opened the front door just in time to see Mabel's car pull out of the garage and grind over the gravel to the gate. Through the rear window, I saw her suitcases piled high in the back seat. I rushed back into the house and grabbed the phone. Been silly. I'm a set. Johnny Dollar, Lieutenant. Listen, Mabel Tran I'm just left here in a big hurry. She had airplane tickets for Rio. The plane leaves at 6. She's picking up Bill Sanderson first, somewhere. Don't tell me she's in on her husband's death. Very much so. She knows I saw the ticket, so she may try another means of transportation. Better cover all the exits. Good work, Dollar. I'll get right on it. Uh, say, Lieutenant, there are too many cab fares listed on my expense account. You haven't got a car you can spare. Sure thing. I'll send 109 right over. He sent 109 right over. We got to International Airport in time to check the passenger list. Sure enough, there was an A, Mabel Trandon. We waited till departure time, and I felt a little like Drew Pearson must when his predictions come true. She didn't show, Dollar. I better check with headquarters to see if she's been reported at the railway stations or the bus depots. Smartest thing she could do now would be to pick up Sanderson and head for the border by auto. I've already sent out a roadblock notice. Well, your job is done, Dollar. Why risk your neck? This is one I I don't want to just read about. And then there's the matter of a million-dollar policy. Before we're through, we, we might have to dig up the second beneficiary. Lieutenant Pincelli checked with headquarters. They had not shown at any departure points. The roadblock had been set up on the coast route just out of Capistrano, where 101 and its alternate meet, the only highway south. Everybody was giving a three-time killer just the sort of attention he deserved. It was getting dark. The lieutenant and I sat in his car watching the roadblock. Well, this could be for nothing. Maybe they've decided to stay home. No, that's not for Mabel. She's pretty restless. Likes to keep moving. I think they'll make a try for the border tonight. Hey, look up there. Somebody's pulling on a line. Yeah, he's turning off under the shoulder. He's going to try to crash the block. Okay, let's go. We weren't even sure it was Sanderson and Mabel. Might have been a couple of rum smugglers for all we knew. Whoever it was paid no attention to our siren, but we pulled closer, hugging the curves by using the whole road. See if you can use that rifle, Dollar. Right. There goes the tire. They're out of control.
that the car? Yeah, that's it. Let's try to get this door open. Uh, no use, Lieutenant. Look inside. Yeah. Yeah, I better get on the radio. Expense account item seven, another cab fare, $4 from my hotel to the Jesse Frederica mission. It was a week later. The old lady nodded me to a chair, and I sat down. Well, Mr. Dollar, it's good to see you again. Won't you sit here? I think this seat will be more comfortable. Thank you. I've just come to say goodbye, Miss Frederica. Wish you all the luck in the world, and I've got something for you. A contribution? I think you'd better sit down first. Miss Frederica, I wish I could have the pleasure of giving checks like these to people like you more often. And don't try to count the zeros. One million, one hundred fifty thousand. Oh, Mr. Dollar. It's from a guy named Harold Trandon. It's his way of giving back about five percent of what he should never have taken. I, I can't believe it. How did it happen? He named the Jesse Frederica Rescue Mission as a second beneficiary, and the first beneficiary is dead. Please excuse me, Mr. Dollar. I think I'm going to cry. She did. As quietly as possible, I got up and left. I walked out onto Main Street, down past the little shops, the surplus stores, the shoeshine parlors, and the all-night movies. And I couldn't help thinking a million dollars can buy a lot of turkey dinners. Expense account total, $736.82. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd and David Ellis with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can soon be seen starring in the Columbia Pictures production, The Los Angeles Story. Featured in tonight's cast were James Eagles, Ted Osborne, Ed Max, Gloria Blondell, Raymond Burr, Ida Reese Merrin, and Junius Matthews. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Join us again next week when, from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in another transcribed adventure of Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is CBS, where Wednesday night is Bing Crosby Night, the Columbia Broadcasting System. From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. My name is Edward Holley. I represent the East Coast Underwriters Association of America. Yes? It has been brought to my attention that you are a special investigator available on a contract basis. That's right. But as a matter of fact, we carry a policy on a Sidney Rykoff, a 
futurist, I believe. We have received notification of a very uh, unusual nature. Uh-huh. Why don't you get it off your chest, Mr. Hawley? Uh, off my chest? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. We have just received a ransom note. Mr. Rykoff has been kidnapped. Edmund O'Brien in another transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to East Coast Underwriters Association, Hartford, Connecticut. Attention, Edward Hawley. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of the Sidney Rykoff matter. Expense account item one, a dollar and a half cab fare to your office. Now, I'm not in the habit of beating about the bush, Mr. Dollar, but the situation from which we must uh, extricate ourselves is, well, uh, delicate enough to warrant your extreme caution. Now, Sidney Rykoff will be dead in seven hours. You want to pay off the ransom note, is that it? Now, you understand that this requires the utmost secrecy. Because few people realize the necessity of insurance companies, uh, such as ours, being forced to negotiate with unscrupulous persons. Uh, here's the note. It was mailed yesterday in Kansas City. Have the police seen this? Certainly not. I'm afraid you don't understand at all, Mr. Dollar. Now, you see... Yeah, I uh, see. $25,000 is against 100000 for you boys. No questions asked, right? Uh, right. It was what anyone would expect a ransom note to look like, made up of print taken from newspapers and magazines and pasted on a plain sheet of yellow paper. It read, We have Sidney Rykoff. If you want him alive, bring $25,000 to the Anthony Millstone Mausoleum, Johnson Park Cemetery, Kansas City, Missouri, at exactly midnight, May 13. If you call the police, forget the money. Rykoff will be dead. Now, naturally, $25,000 is a lot of money. Uh, if there's a possibility of saving it, we wish you'd do a little uh, investigating first. Now, look, Mr. Hawley, it's 5 o'clock in Kansas City now. As you said yourself, he'll be dead in seven hours. It'll take me at least five hours to get there. We'd better pay off the... We'd better pay off first and investigate later. You've marked the money, haven't you? Uh, certainly. Here's the list. And here's the 25000 The matter's in your hands. Expense account item two, $453 in advance for charter plane. As we hit the Ohio River, the sky started to blacken ahead of us. Looks pretty rough out west. What's weather, say? Nothing later than St. Louis. Storm front to 16,000. I think we ought to set down. We can't. I'm not in Kansas City by midnight. Somebody will be dead. You a doctor? Yeah, in a way. But this is one sickness that can only be cured with money. Look, mister, I'm going to lay it on the line. I'm no hero. I got a wife and a couple of kids back east. My contract says I'll get you to KC if I can. But that front ahead there isn't kid stuff. We'll bounce this kite around like a balloon. Well, I can't tell you to do it. It's up to you. But if we sit down now, we'll find a dead man in the morning. Okay, mister. I'll do the best I can. Fasten up. The plane is too underpowered to climb above it. We'll try to go right through. Hope the wings stay on. left of us coasted into Kansas City at 11.40. Expense account item three, an extra hundred for a pretty good pilot. Expense account item four, three dollars transportation to Johnston Park Cemetery. The driver took off my money. The driver took my money and scooted off fast. I found the right mausoleum at the edge of the park. I looked at my watch. It was three minutes to twelve. Park's closed, mister. Yeah, I know. I'm supposed to meet somebody here. 
What for? It's a financial matter. You can conduct your business with me. Wait a minute. How do I know there won't be more business tomorrow? You don't. Where are you going to leave him? We'll let you know. Here you are. Thanks. See you around. There's never a guarantee in a kidnapping case. You hope the guy will be alive, but you don't just sit around waiting for him to show up. I checked into a hotel, had half a night of sleep, and the next morning I strolled around the listed place of occupation of victims, Sidney Rykoff, the Southeastern Athletic Club. This high-sounding name covered for a bunch of cheap pugs and cheaper boxing equipment. Sidney's manager made his shabby office livable by spraying the corners with sweet air household deodorant and keeping the door closed. Close the door. What's the matter with you? Crazy or something? You want that smell coming in here? You know what trouble I go to keeping that smell out of here? Sorry. People come in here, what do they care? It's not their office. They wouldn't do it at home. What do you want? I have information that you're Sidney Rykoff's manager. Is that right? Yeah. You know where he is? That bum. Smashed him against Malone next week and he's off on another bench. You want him, you can have him. There's a thousand fighters I could have. Two years ago, I should have torn his contract to pieces, but it's... I fell in love with his right cross. Did you ever see his right cross? No. Stand up here. That won't hurt you. Put your hands up. No, higher. That's right. Now, look. It's the fifth round. I've been throwing body blows at you, see? Let me loosen my tie. Forget it. Are you listening to me? Yeah, go ahead. Go well, ahead. Now, look. Your defense is dropped. See, I telegraph a left. A left what? Cross. Oh, cross, yeah. Then, bam! Hey. Well, with me, it never works. That's how Rykoff won the Golden Gloves in 47. How do you know he's off in a bin? Ah, he mixes it with milk. You ever hear anything so disgusting, bourbon and milk? Thinks he's still in training that way. When was the last time you saw him? Friday afternoon. He was working out. He looked great. But when he comes back, he's got no manager. What kind of shape can he be in for Malone? I'll have to bail him out. I know it. If I don't, who will? Not his wife, that's for sure. I was going to ask you about his wife. Let me tell you something about that woman. In one way, she's the greatest gal on the face of the earth. On the other hand, she can be a demon. Let me tell you something what she did. Yeah? You know that big boy from Chicago had come up through the middleweight? What was his name? That Snyder, Ryder, Kreider, or something like that. Anyhow, she, she told Sidney if he didn't beat this guy, she wouldn't let him in the house. Well, Sidney gave the greatest fight it was possible for him to give. But he got it in the eighth. He was a mess, mister, a mess. You know, they had to sleep in the hall. She wanted a winner? Yeah, he never lost again. I'd rather have her under contract than him any day. He don't fight for money. He don't even fight to be great. He fights to keep her from leaving him. Hey, who are you, anyhow? I'm from Hartford. What, with Milosky? No, not Milosky. What was, was it with Milosky? Did you have a stable of welterweights? No, I'm thinking of that. Who, what, what, what am I thinking of? That? Thanks for the information, Mr. Medill. I think it stopped raining. Wait a minute. Who, who are you? Insurance. Oh. Well, for the love of Charlie, close that door. I hear you're nosing around about Sidney Rykoff. I've been losing a lot of money on him. What makes you think I want to know anything about him? Quit it, will you? I listen to doors. You found out anything? About what? About his disappearance. Who said he disappeared? He ain't been around. He disappeared. Some people think he went off in a binge. Nah, it ain't his cycle. He had his last binge in March. He ain't due again till September. You a friend of his? Allow me. My name is Al Barsoumian. I handle wages. Where do you think Rykoff is? I don't know, but the longer he stays there, the better I like it. The betting ain't good when he's around. Why's that? He's erratic. Sometimes he wins in the eighth and sometimes in the tenth. (laughs) 
Well, that's the way it goes. His wife still live in the same place? Yeah. Just follow the broken glass. I didn't get on the trail of the busted gin bottles until about 11 that night. I knocked at a door and she yelled, come in from the kitchen. She was sitting at the table in a soup-stained kimono, peeling the polish off her fingernails. Sit down. Or just throw them stockings on the floor. You drink? Not right now, thanks. I'm an insurance investigator. Hartford, Connecticut. When did you see your husband last? Oh, Sidney? He comes home when he feels like it. Why? Something happened to him? I think you ought to know, Mrs. Reichkopf. Your husband has been kidnapped. The company I'm working for received a ransom note. I paid somebody $25,000 last night to get him back. $25,000? For Sidney? Jerry Medill, his manager, took out a $100,000 insurance policy on him. Will you show me that bottle? Who'd know about that policy? $25,000 for Sidney. The papers know about this yet? Hey, I gotta get fixed up for the reporters. I look like a perfect slob. Nobody knows about it but you and the insurance company. Now, how about giving me some answers? Why, so I can get him back? What do I want to get him around here for? Who'd know about that policy, Mrs. Rykoff? Besides Medill, I don't know, but he's Gabby. Who did you pay that 25000 to? Well, the man that gave it to me didn't give me his name. Wait a minute. If that bum walked out on me, if he picked up twenty-five grand by kidnapping himself, well, he can stay out. He's not getting back in. What did he look like who you paid it to? He was dark. Couldn't see much but his size. Uh, not up to here. Oh, then it wasn't Sidney. He's a light heavy, 5'11". Could have been a friend. Any idea who? No, and if I had, I'd tell you. Ah, he can't get away with this. What makes you think he'd try? Because he's got no guts anymore. He wants to quit fighting. When he does that, he quits having me. And he knows it. I'm not the type for any milk stop. Hey, you sure you don't want to drink? No, thanks. Why not? Well, Mrs. Rykoff. Who's that? It's me, honey. Who's he? That's your husband? No, it's another stumblebum, Mickey Snell. Uh, hey, who, who's this guy? Never mind who's this. You lost your fight. Oh, Joe, honey, what's a fight? I heard it on the radio, a lousy four-rounder, you stupid clown. Get out of here. Oh, no, don't be that way, Joe. It was a bad match. I'll win the next one for you. Then you can come back. But you lost tonight. Get out of here! Hey, Joe! Get out of here! Go on, you stupid mug! She backed him into the living room and reached up towards the mantel as she passed it. She finally found something heavy enough. A two-foot wrought iron candlestick. She didn't have to swing it. Her guest took one look at it and went out the door. I thanked her for hospitality and followed him. He went down two blocks and into a bar. I got his name from a waitress and slipped into a booth with him. What, what was you doing there, buddy? Business, Mickey. I was asking her about her husband. Yeah? What for? What difference does it make? He's missing and I want to know where he is. I don't believe you. You're part of why she kicked me out, and I don't like it, see? You know why she kicked you out. She likes winners. You lost your fight tonight. Well, she knew I was outmatched. That guy had to reach and everything. Look at my face. Hey. Hey, how, how long are you a friend of hers, buddy? I'm not a friend. I just met her. Came in from Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. How well did you know Sidney Rykoff? Hey, what is it? Look, I'm working for an insurance company. They want to know where he is, that's all. How well did you know him? He beat me a couple of times at like courts of his. You know where he is? No. Did he take a run out on his own, or was it somebody else's idea? Who, who could have that idea, buddy? I hear he was winning a lot of fights. He was. He beat me a couple of times. Well, who was losing money? 
Albasumia? Um, this is too public. Uh, where you staying? I'm at a hotel. It's not far from here. You know it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it. Uh, but I can't go with you. I'll meet you in the lobby. We'll go to my room. It's got to look like I ain't meeting you. Sure, it's easy. We'll order another drink here. I'll leave, and then you saunter over in about 20 minutes. Okay? Okay. I pulled only one double cross on Mickey Snell. Instead of waiting in the hotel lobby for him, I waited outside the bar. He came out 20 minutes later, and I followed a quarter of a block behind him. I was half expecting him to make a wrong turn at the first corner, but he didn't. He stopped to wait for the traffic signal to change, and then stepped into the street. And you say you saw it happen, Mr. Dollar? That's right, Lieutenant. I saw it happen. It was deliberate hit and run. Uh, you get the license number. Oh, only the first three numbers. M-176. Uh-huh. Now, any other witnesses? Well, I don't know. There were a lot of people around. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean witnesses. Say, uh, what'd you find in his wallet? Oh, identification. Mickey Snell. He was a fighter. He must have won tonight. He was loaded. Can I see one of those bills? Uh... Uh, yeah, Dollar, but watch it. I have to keep a record. Thanks. It was a $50 bill the lieutenant handed me. In the corner was a number, a number I'd memorized on the plane trip out. The bill on Mickey Snell's body was part of the ransom money I'd paid for the victim I hadn't gotten back. We will return to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. Circle Wednesday night. That's the night George Burns and Gracie Allen drop by to visit with you over most of your CBS stations. Each Wednesday, Burns and Allen bring you 30 minutes of rich laughs and hilarious characters. Remember, Burns and Allen, this Wednesday night. Now, with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. I knew Mickey Snell had died for something, and his inglorious death pointed to one of three possibilities. First, Al Basumian's gambling ventures. Second, Gary Medill's insurance on Sidney Rykoff. And number three, the old kidnap yourself and collect the ransom type crime, with Mr. Rykoff himself as the suspect. To me, the latter loomed as the most probable. I told the police as little as I could, still operating on the assumption that Sidney would be dead if I spilled what I knew. At 2 o'clock a.m., I went back to my hotel for another half-night's sleep. The next morning, I made up my mind to visit Mrs. Rykoff again. It was such a nice day, I walked. As long as Sidney was missing, there was nothing to do but ask questions until something seemed to make sense. Because everybody had an angle. Basumian might have been paid off, Gary Medill might have been paid off, and Mrs. Rykoff might have been paid off. I took the whole thing up with Mrs. Rykoff as she stood in front of a cracked, full-length mirror, trying half-heartedly to comb the knots out of her hair. You come in here with your... Ow! Lousy accusations. I'm not accusing anybody, Mrs. Rykoff. I'm trying to get at the truth. Now, somebody has your husband, right? Hand me that brush. And somebody has the 25000 right? How should I know? Look, I don't have any interest in Sidney Rykoff. I don't care if he's alive or dead. I don't care about your $25,000. All I know is I'm sick of hearing about Sidney Rykoff, Sidney Rykoff, Sidney Rykoff. I had a good mind to go out and change my name. You two must have had a fine romance. Oh, he was okay for a while. Was winning steady. I can't stand to go with a guy that can't win. And when he lost... He slept in the hall. Exactly. A man has to fight for me. I ain't just sitting here waiting for losers. Sidney was winning, wasn't he? Winning? Winning what? 
With that Medill as his manager, what could he win? What kind of a contract did Sidney have with Medill? <laughs> Medill got everything, including Sidney's third molars. So what was I supposed to do? Look at this place. Sofa needs covers. Boy, could I use some clothes. Tatters. Look here. Seems busting out all over. I like Sidney to win, but I like him to win something big. Maybe you can if you bet on him. Take Pasumian, for instance. Never gamble. It's against my whole way of life. And then there's the possibility that you've gotten that and knowing about Medill's $100,000 policy on Sidney, talked Sidney into kidnapping himself and writing to the insurance company for ransom. That's a dirty crack. But a pretty fast way to get out of debt. I've been scouting around. You owe a lot of people. I'd put the figure up to around $10,000. For a girl who lives like you do, that's a big sum. You make me mad. Get out of here. Bet you didn't think it would be like this when you first met Sidney, huh? Golden Gloves winner, handsome boy, trips around the country. I'll bet you... Get out! I'll put down that candlestick. I'll get it. You finish your hair. I'll get it. You stay where you are. Oh, copper, huh? Yeah, what is it, Sergeant? Mrs. Rykoff lives here? Hi, Mrs. Rykoff. What is it? I'm afraid I've got bad news for you, Mrs. Rykoff. Your husband, Sidney. What happened? We found him on the highway just outside of town. He's dead. I studied Mrs. Rykoff. Her face showed only what could have been contempt and maybe a little relief. The officer made an embarrassed exit and I closed the door. Mrs. Rykoff walked to the window, and I followed her. We didn't say anything for a long while, and then she turned to me. What do you expect me to do? Cry? Not if you don't feel like it. I feel like I felt when they paroled me. I didn't know you did, Ty. Twice. For what? Burglary and a couple other things. What are you going to do now? I don't know, something to away, I guess. You know, he wasn't such a bad guy when you got to know him. He tried hard. I used to sit in the front row, and when they knocked him down, I'd stand up and yell at him and call him every name in the book until I saw how mad he got and he'd get up and win. Funny guy. I never could figure if he won because he loved me or if he won because he couldn't stand me. Hey, have a drink with me, will you? I'd appreciate it. Sure. Expense account item 5, 250, transportation. After toasting the remains of Sidney Rykoff in gin, I went down to the morgue and took a look at what was left of the Golden Gloves champ. His head had been bashed in with what the attendant described as a heavy instrument. The heavy instrument hadn't been found. They covered him up and I went back to the hotel. It was still possible that Sidney had abducted himself, collected the money, then been killed for it by whoever he hired for the job. But then everything was possible. The more things happened, the more things were left in the dark. My head was spinning with Rykoffs and Medills and Basumians, and the taste of that raw gin wouldn't go away. I slept through the day, got up and ate dinner, and went to sleep again. It was a good thing I did, because the next morning, the phone rang early. Uh... Hello. Mr. Dollar? Yeah? This is Al. Al, Al. Give me a sec. Uh... Oh, yeah, Al. Yeah, Basumian. You better get down here to my place. Yeah, why? But don't be ridiculous. I can't tell you over the phone. 1050 Clay Street in 10 minutes, huh? Yeah, as soon as possible. Well, hurry. Yeah, yeah. Friends account item 6. 185 taxi fare to the brick bungalow of Mr. Al Basumian. I was surprised to find a man of such 
uncertain profession housed so well. He met me at the door in his bathrobe and without a word led me down the cellar stairs. He flicked on the light near the furnace and pointed mutely at something gold in a box of ashes. I lifted it out carefully. It was a golden statue of a boxer. The engraving read, Sidney Rykoff, 1947. The base was caked with dried blood. This might be a little difficult to explain to the police, Al. I came down this morning to give the furnace a good cleaning. It ain't been used since winter. My wife has been after me to clean out the furnace because it ain't been used for so long. So I came down here... Look, Dollar, I didn't have nothing to do with this. This is probably the object that killed Sidney Rykoff. Could very well be that you thought up this kidnapping, killed Sidney, and took the dough. Would I kill Sidney, plant a murder weapon in my own furnace, and then call you? Now, would I? To throw suspicion away from yourself? It's been done before. All I can say is I didn't do it. Look, Dollar, I'd call you because I thought maybe you could get me out of this. You being a man of influence... As far I... as influence goes, mine stops at getting funeral passes. And stick around if I were you, Al. Any traveling you might do between now and when the police get here is liable to be considered a confession. You gonna take me in? What would you suggest? Drop the trophy back in the box, Della. Every so often I run into something like this. Come on, stand away. This shows you, Al. Never trust a friend. He might be more honest than you. Get upstairs. Get those hands up. You bet. He walked me in front of him for a few paces. As we passed the light switch, I let my elbow brush it down. As the lights went out, I fell to the floor. He shot over me, and I felt the hot sprinkle of powder. I grabbed his legs and pulled him to the ground. Okay, Al. Come on, let it go. Let it go, I said. You dirty double-crosser! Come on, drop I grabbed the gun and felt my way along the floor on the wall to the light switch. When I snapped it on, I found I'd left a very cold Mr. Barsoomian on the cellar floor. I took the Golden Gloves trophy out of the box of ashes, wrapped it in a piece of newspaper, and headed up the stairs. Expense account item seven, two dollars. Taxi fare again. To the police station? No. I was a fool, but no. I had a big hunch that the man I'd left in his own basement was not the killer or kidnapper of Sidney Rykoff. What I should have done is told the police my theories and hopped a plane for home. But there was $25,000 the company had paid in ransom money, plus $100,000 for the death of Sidney Rykoff, which they were going to have to pay. And if things stacked up the way I had it figured, maybe I could save them on both accounts. No, I didn't go to the police. I went to the drab apartment of Mrs. Sidney Rykoff. I was about to knock when I heard a pair of familiar voices inside. You shouldn't have come here, Gary. Well, I had to. Now that they found her, we can get out of here. You think so? I don't think right today. A week, maybe. Then we'll get out. Get me, baby. I had a Careful. As he opened the door, I ducked around a corner of the hallway and flattened myself against the wall. Once he looked back, I saw him squinting into the shadows, and I wasn't sure whether he saw me or not. I waited till he was a good way down the street before I went to the drugstore and phoned for the law. I told the lieutenant in charge to give me five minutes alone with Mrs. Rykoff and then to take her away. He agreed, not knowing what was up. I went back up to Mrs. Rykoff's apartment. In the hallway, I quietly unwrapped the Golden Gloves trophy and stuffed the newspaper into my pocket. The door was open, just a crack. I opened it wider. There was no one in the living room. I squeezed inside and shut the door with care. I heard her pulling up window shades in the bedroom. I went over to the mantel. There was a round, clean spot in the center, and the trophy fitted right into it. Then I went over to the couch and sat down. I felt the comforting bulge of the Sumian's gun in my pocket, and I lit a cigarette. 
He must have smelled the smoke. How did you get in here? You left the door open. You got a lot of nerve. You know, something's different about this room. You know that? You know, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something added. Maybe it's you. No, no, I mean the way of furnishings. Are those the same drapes you had in here before? Look, let's skip the interior decorator routine. No, no, please, it bothers me. Let's see, the sofa was over here, remember that? chair was over there. Maybe it's something on a mantelpiece. What? Yeah, yeah, it's that thing. Hey, where did that come from? I don't know, but it sure is pretty. Oh, I guess that's what Sidney won in the Golden Gloves, eh? Let's see that. No, stay away from there. Well, what's the fuss? It's just a trophy. You are pretty smart, aren't you? Oh, it isn't going to do you any good. You better put that trophy back where it belongs, Mrs. Rykoff. You don't want to cave in my skull like you did your husband. Nobody's stopping us. Nobody. You must swing a pretty mean trophy, Mrs. Rykoff, but not today. Let go of me! Come on, give me that. No! That's... You it! That's better. Oh. Ah, you better stand over there near the door. Go on. This thing's loaded. Get him, Jerry! Hi, Dollar. Well, better late than never, huh? It all tied up nice. Al Basumian's gambling racket was looked into and cracked wide open. Mrs. Rykoff's confession read something like this. I killed him a week ago. I got mad at him. I picked up the trophy off the mantelpiece and killed him. I didn't mean to kill him. I called Gary and he put the trophy in Al Basumian's furnace and got his boys to lug the body out to a place he had. They kept the body for a week and then put it on the highway after the insurance company paid the ransom. End of confession, end of affair, end of story. Expense account item eight, $203.54, air travel back to Hartford. Expense account total, $982.28. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd and David Ellis with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can soon be seen starring in the Columbia Pictures production, The Los Angeles Story. Featured in our cast were Howard McNear, Howard Culver, Walter Burke, John McIntyre, Bill Gray, and Jeanette Nolan. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Join us again next week at this time when Edmund O'Brien returns in another transcribed adventure of... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.